the People's Show, coming to you from the mobile studio again, the mobile Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.com. I couldn't make it to the station yesterday for snow-related reasons. Uh, today is BRR, uh, it's BIC-related reasons, but uh, we have trades to talk about, uh, so we bring on Frank Saravelli from DailyFaceOff.com for TRR, trade-related reasons. Uh, and Frank, the Vancouver Canucks are busy. They've been one the most active trader this season, and now they've jumped into the trade pool once again. This time, a first-round pick and a second-round pick going to Detroit uh, for Philip Ronick, uh, who comes back with a fourth-round pick as well. Uh, we'll talk about the player later because I, I think there's a good player there, but. One thing that I'm kind of struggling to overcome, and maybe you can shed some light on it, is why now? Like, why was it important to do this trade now and maybe not in the offseason? That's actually a question that I have more for Detroit in executing this trade sure. than it is for the Canucks. You know, you have a team that's in or, or right knocking at the door of a playoff spot. Clearly, Detroit is trying to use those assets to to go after something else, whether it's Jacob Chikrin or whether it's Colton Pareko or, or name a, a player, uh, I, I can't imagine Detroit is making this move unless they have something else in mind. And similar to that, I have a really hard time sort of judging this transaction without viewing it through the prism of what comes next for the Canucks. Because here's the truth is... We've listened to Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin talk for a while about acquiring players age 25 and under that are ready to play in the NHL and impact guys. Philip Ronick is, he's doing it. You know, he's a 40-point guy right now this season and still has 20 games left. I know he's, he's actually injured right now, but, you know, that's, they've, they've got a real authentic, top three defensemen on their team now and he's young he's cost controlled you know for the next bit all those things so on the surface it lines up with exactly what the canucks are looking for in terms of that age range and impact guy but what's next because the canucks have cap issues now and they need to sort those out and it's pretty clear to me that a salary dump is coming i just don't know where and when so it's on the price of the trade in itself. Is this the cost of doing business for right-handed D-men? Like it is hard to find guys that are going to be playing 15 minutes a night that are right shot. And you go through it, there's like 90 somewhat players that do it in the NHL. And to find credible minutes are even tougher. Is this just the cost of finding right-hand D-men? I think it's a somewhat reasonable cost when you consider – like, what is Jacob Chikrin going to go for and how different – I know they're different style players. You know, Hironik is more of a facilitator than a shooter. Like um, like Chikrin, who's a pure shot threat and, and could score 15 to 18 goals a season. But how – you know, when you, when you talk about overall impact, how different are they really? And Hironik's only one year older and makes – just a shade less right now, you're going to need to pay him sooner than you would pay Chikorin, but compare this to that in the next few days whenever that gets done. And I think it's probably going to end up looking pretty reasonable. So that's the thing I wanted to ask too, and you kind of mentioned it, that they 
have to gonna have to pay him at some point. You mentioned the salary dump at some point. Um, is that a summer thing? Is that something we could see in the next 48 hours? Like, how many irons in the fire do uh, the Canucks have right now? Uh, well, in terms of paying him, he's eligible to resign, obviously, starting in July. So my bet is when the Canucks went through this process with Hironic, they're at least have a general feel and a ballpark as to what they'll have to pay him. Oh, we actually have some breaking news here. Yes. Uh, here, we'll... here we go. The Ottawa Senators have acquired defenseman Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for a conditional first, a conditional second, and another second. So, so there there's go. the going rate, right? Like one, two, and two, and then you just see a one and two uh, move. So well, I was literally just saying this. Now compare yeah. that to Ronick, and it's like, okay, well, he didn't cost you the extra second, right? Yes. And uh, how different are they purely impact-wise? For sure. That's, that's a huge component to this. I, I do want to stick just on the Vancouver side of, of, of where this is going for just a second uh, as the Chicker and stuff. Again, he lands in Ottawa going from Arizona. Um, but as, as far as where Vancouver is now, um, the, the next step here um, is, is the, would it be player-related or are we talking about more perhaps uh, could they use more prospects or picks to make transactions here? Well, of course they could use, you know, more picks to make transactions. Uh, but I I, I, um, I, have a hard time, and sorry, I, my brain was exploding as you asked me the question. Um, I'm just processing and thinking about what this, you know, another player off the board as we get to Friday. Um, you know, I think the Canucks have been involved in a lot of different things over the last few days. And... I, yeah, I guess to sum up really my thoughts on where the Canucks are at at this exact moment in time is wait until 4 o'clock Eastern on Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, to begin judging where Vancouver's at and where they're heading. Because I think a lot of people have looked at this trade now for Hronik and said, okay, so we've really boiled it down to Horvat and a second for Hronik and Beauvillier and Ratu. And yeah, I, people aren't comfortable with that, I don't think, based on my mentions on social media. But it's still early. Uh, Frank, uh, actually, right before I let you go, uh, so what does this mean for Detroit, too? Because they're kind of in the mix as well in that Eastern Conference playoff race. They just acquired another first-round pick. Are they uh, done doing business? They are not, uh, to my knowledge. Again, I think this heroic trade really buys them flexibility and I think they were probably looking at the Jake Wallman negotiations that they just got through at three times 3.4 and saying, man, if Wallman is costing us this and he's sub 20 minutes a night and not anywhere near the point producer that Heronic is, this is probably going to end up costing us a lot. And so instead of getting down that track this summer, they get the opportunity and option now to, um, to, to get those picks back that they can use to flip. So Chikrin's off the board. Uh, if I were to, you know, be typing this out to a buddy, I would be putting uh, Colton Pareko and the eyes emoji next to it and say, huh, Steve Eiserman, Doug Armstrong, this really seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, Frank, you might have an easy day on Friday with all these trades happening uh, before hey. then, but as much as we've worked this week, like that would be fine with me. Fair enough. Hey, we appreciate it. We know you got to run and the uh, chicken stuff is happening. So I uh, appreciate you taking some time today. Have a good one, guys.
That's uh, the guy, Frank Saravelli from DailyFaceOff.com. You hear him often on Halford and Bruff and on the uh, Canucks Central as well. You can always subscribe to their shows as well uh, on their podcast pages and also subscribe to the People Show page uh, as well. Uh, 650-650, keep coming in with your reaction on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or our Butis in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. The trade desk has been busy. It has been busy. Uh, been brought to you by Jags Furniture and Mattress, the Lower Mainland's favorite furniture and mattress destination. Visit Jags Showroom in Langley and Abbotsford or online at jagsfurniture.ca. We'll try to keep up with the inbox. It is flooding right now. If you also want to grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. It's a people show, so you can always react and be part of the show as well. Uh, we will try to connect with Brandon Batchelor in just a bit, too. Uh, voice of the Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. What can this look like now for the Vancouver Canucks? Ronick steps into the fold. How will this team look? You know, one thing, though, uh, I asked Frank about it. Like, why now? Like, why use that first-round pick that you just acquired for Bo Horvat? Why use it now? Ronick was going to go to the offseason. He signed for next year as well. Is it a specific reason you had to go after this player? You can go to the summer. You can check out the whole market for the players, see what the entire spectrum of price ranges are, and you can find your player then. I really like the player. I really do like the player. I don't necessarily like the trade. It's And, and you can separate the two, right? Price is what you pay. Value is what you get. I think you'll get productive years from Philip Ronick. I think he's a really strong player. And once Detroit finally started to get actually good, you're seeing the best version of himself. They have not, they, they have been a wasteland of results the previous couple of years. He's always been a bit of a flashy player, can move really well, can retrieve pucks, can make good passes. And finally, when they've shown a bit of life, he's emerged as a really strong player. But the cost, not that you're going to get him for a second and a second next year or something like that, but like, was this trade still going to be there for you in the summer? It's like going to the Vancouver housing market right now, and you're buying that specific house. It's difficult. I get it. There's not a lot of right-handed demon. There's not a lot of houses always available. But you're just jumping in saying, hey, I got to have this house right now in this crazy market. Or... Because you have taken a moment, taken a beat, and said, hey, in the summer, what will the right-hand D market look like? Can we just take a pause here? Focus on the next steps when it's quietest. What other motivations will teams have at that stage after you go through the playoffs? Will teams say, you know what, maybe this guy isn't for us anymore? Would somebody have decreased the cost? And the be- the other benefit is you're after the draft lottery. You have more understanding of what that draft pick is. Is it a truly unprotected 2024 first? And are the Islanders going to miss the playoffs? Or did you just want to use it right now because, hey, they're in a playoff spot right now. 
let's cash in. It could be a 20th overall pick. That's not what we wanted. Let's just go ahead and make this transaction now. But the benefit of waiting till after the lottery is you're telling me Detroit is going to sneeze at a pick being 12th or 19th to move $4.5 million? They have their long-term right-handed D-man already. Mort Sider is their guy for a long time. They have that locked in. I don't think they would have been too concerned about adding two top top 40 picks come draft time or come offseason. Why why do this now? And, you know, to Frank's point, something more could be coming. I see all the texts coming in, 650, 650. So it was just Bo in a second for Ratu, Bovillier, Ronick, and a fourth. They can still make a lot more trades, and the trade tree is still going to go out. If Bovillier's moved out at any point, that extends the trade tree. Hey, maybe in a year's time, Philip Ronick's moved out. And the trade tree can continue. But nevertheless, uh, that's uh, what they're doing uh, as it stands. Uh, Dr. P and Bur- Burnaby. I wonder if this means the end of Tyler Myers. I do think at some point that's going to end. And I don't even just mean by the contract expiring. They're going to come to a resolution with Tyler Myers at some point, whether it's retaining half of the deal after you pay out the signing bonus, $5 million goes out the window, and that's a $1 million in, in real cash. Do you retain half of it, 500000 I do think some team will, will look at that. And it, it's the thing I harp on all the time is there just aren't right-shot demon that can play credible minutes for you regularly. They just do not exist. There's about 90 players who have played at least 15 games this year that are playing over 15 minutes a night. Just just do the quick math. There's 32 teams. As far as guys that need to play on the right side, you got to play three. That's 96. Less than 90 guys are playing 15 minutes that are right-handed D-men. How many of them are even qualified to do it? And you go through the list. Philip Ronick ends up at, uh, as far as most played minutes on the right side this year, or right-handed D-man, he's 18th. Tyler Myers, 32nd on that list. You do it by per-game numbers as well. Again, just of guys who have played at least 15 games this year. Because some guys, you just step in for a game, like a young player at the beginning of the year. It's like, how, how much are you actually contributing? You just go through it. Like, Tyler Myers, as far as minutes played, is 32nd. Sorry, 31st in Time on ice per game on the right side. I do think at some point there's going to be value just because you just can't find these guys. And as proven today, first rounder and a second rounder going out to Detroit for Philip Ronick coming back into Vancouver. Uh, but they are going to have to do some things. What does this mean for Oliver Ekman Larson? Because right now they're over the cap. Marginally, but they're over the cap. They're going to have to do something. Does Oliver Ekman Larson? get bought out in the summer and open up $7 million in space. Because now you have a, a credible second-pairing D-man now. Philip Rona can be the third guy in a decor. Philip Rona can be the primary guy on a secondary pairing. 
Not the primary pairing, but a, a secondary pairing for sure. He's greatly improved. And I think I think once you see him on the ice, and, and there's always going to be the connection of the draft price to him, but I think fans will get excited about the player. But it, it's the manner in which you present it, too. You just acquired this first-round pick, and now it's out the door. Fans got the dreams and the visions of, all right, Here's two cracks at the lottery. Maybe they win it with their own, and maybe that one's ended up at 13th, and you get excited about that, and out the door. Honestly, it's not so dissimilar to what just happened with the coach either. It's not that Rick Tockett isn't a good coach, and Rick Tockett can't do this and can't do that and could lead this team to the place that they want to go. It's the manner in which he was introduced is so frustrating. And it was the point I made then. It's... He can be very good, but they haven't exactly presented him in the way that allows fans to attach himself to it and say, all right, let's back this coach. It's the same thing here. Philip Ronick is a really good player. He's going to be fun. But they, they haven't really allowed you the opportunity to get psyched up about him. It's been wild swings really quickly to now re your head is spinning. And we're like, all right, the captain's just gone. Now i got to wrap my head around this top 12 protected pick. And are we kind of rebuilding? We retool on the fly, rebuilding on the fly, whatever you want to call it. And then, boom, that pick's gone. Rona comes in. 650-650, uh, more of your reaction coming in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, Jeffro texting in. All right, I've calmed down. He's on pace for 50 points. If the Canucks sign him long-term to 6-7 million and he hits, it could be a real nice coup for the Canucks. Uh, let's go to the phone lines, 604-280-0650. If you want to grab a phone line, Tanbeer uh, from Surrey, I imagine, is calling in. Tanbeer, how are you? Um, okay, how are you, Beck? It's been a long time. Since Always good, man. Always good. Yeah, um, so what's the plan here, Bick? Uh, we, so the, the plan is to make the playoffs next year. The team that's uh, bottom five in the standings, um, no prospects in the system, just traded a first-round pick that everybody was excited for that could have been a lottery pick. Um, you know, in crap, in ca- sorry, cap, you know, they're in cap hell. Um, like, what's the plan here? So we're just going to, you know, try to get off Besser and maybe give up an asset to get off Besser. We're not going to retain any cap, uh, according to a lot of the insiders. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> this organization just, like, maybe Philip, maybe he's good. Heronic, I, I heard he's good. You know, people saying he's a top-four defenseman. But when we signed Tyler Myers, we were sold that he was a top-four defenseman. When we brought in OEL, we were sold that he was a top-four defenseman. And look where that's gotten us. We're going to just keep on bringing in guys that are 25, 26 years old and hope that they become top-four defensemen. Instead of try to build a team around Quinn Hughes and uh, and and uh, Elias Pettersson and maybe bring in some young blood and hope that those guys could build a team, like you guys, you could build a good team around this team for the long term future, or are you just gonna try to build around JT Miller and and hope Pettersson and Hughes, uh, you know, can take the next step like they have this year and make the playoffs next year and get bounced in the uh, in the first round against uh, you know Colorado or. <laughs> like this is uh you know the best case scenario for this team next year is they make the playoffs and they finish in the wild card or they finish sixth or seventh in the and maybe they win around and that's been the plan for the last 10 years for this organization they haven't tried to build a team to win a cup in i don't know how long we've been sold the same stuff over and over again and it's just starting to become you know, like the same, same, same stuff over and over again. Like I'm going into next year expecting this team to make the playoffs again. 
that's my that those were my expectations for the last ten years. Well, maybe not ten years, like the last three years, and it's the same story over and over again. And yeah, maybe he's a good. Maybe he'll turn out to be a good player here, but we still have to pay him, right? He's got one more year left. We've got to pay Elias Pettersson ten million dollars a year. We have OEL on the books, so we're going to buy him out. We have JT Miller on the books. We have <laughs> Tyler Myers still still on the books. We still have uh, Brock Besser and uh, Connor Garland on the books. Like, what's the plan? We don't have any young guys that can step in and play okay, big Tanbeer, minutes. Let you go. Thank young you very much. On ESL contracts, right? Like, yeah, uh, good run there, Tanbeer. Thank you very much. Six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. If you want to chime in, good run there. Um, but I do want to go back to the trade desk because I believe we have uh, more that's going down, Dom. Uh, LA, this is from Elliot Freeman. LA has acquired uh, goaltender Eric Portillo from Buffalo. For a 2023 third-round pick, Portillo is an unsigned pick from Michigan eligible for free agency this summer. And uh, the Sabres have also announced that trade. All right. And then that's uh, coming right off the heels of, uh, again, Jacob Chikrin also moved as well. And this text coming in here, uh, 650-650. Look what Ottawa gave up for Chikrin. Who do you like better? So I I do think Chikrin is obviously the better player. They've given up more for him, obviously. Second-round pick attached to it on top of what the Vancouver Canucks and no fourth-round pick going back. Unless I have that confused, uh, I don't believe I saw another pick going with Chikrin. So they've given up more for a left-handed D, and the Canucks have given up for what they did for Ronick. So the player, I would rather have Jacob Chikrin. If I had to choose between the trades, I'd rather do the, the Philip Peronic trade for Vancouver because you need right-handed D-men to come in. There's a potential he could play the top pairing with Quinn Hughes. That could be your pairing next year. Hughes and Ronick. You want to talk about a quick D-pair? Moving the puck up, being active, being sound defensively as well. And Quinn Hughes has taken steps in his game, especially here in these last six weeks. Uh, in his defensive game. It's what I wanted to talk about a bit as well today before the trade went down. We're going to break out the billboard again today, do another top 10 of best Canucks in the past four games. But that's been scrapped, much like uh, the 2023 draft planning has been scrapped uh, with this trade. So I, I like the trade for Vancouver, even though Jacob Chikrin is the better player versus uh, Philip Ronick. It just It's a better fit for what they're trying to build. Would I have done the trade? Probably not. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have value for what Philip Ronick can bring to the organization. All right, we are going to take a break. On the other side, uh, we'll try to connect with Brendan Batchelor as well, voice of the Canucks here on Sportsnet 650. Keep the comments coming in. I'm trying to keep up as I can uh, going along. I'll read some during the break here. But if you're texting hard on your phone right now, uh, you maybe want to break out the, uh, the dialing version of your phone uh, because we can uh, hook you up with some tickets. Announced this week, Wu-Tang Clan and Nas coming to Rogers Arena on October 16th. It's the New York State of Mind Tour. Tickets go on sale on Friday at 9 a.m. at LiveNation.com. You get to beat the box office, though. 604-280-0650. 604-280-0650. Caller number five going to be picking up tickets to Wu-Tang Clan and Nas. Give us a shout right now. We'll hook you up. We'll announce the winner on the other side. And connect with Brendan Batchelor here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the People Show, coming to you from the mobile Kintech studio. Remote Kintech studio. Uh, working from home today. Bad choice. Bad choice today. I want to take with Vancouver Canucks. Make, Make a, a trade. trade. Uh, to acquire Philip Ronick uh, from the Detroit Red Wings uh, for a first-round pick, a second-round pick. They also acquire a fourth-round pick as well. It, they tr- the pick that they moved was the one they acquired for Bo Horvat uh, from the Islanders. And this one from Tony Nanaimo. Taking your reaction, 650-650. This one says, I'm confused. Uh, Islanders firmly in a playoff spot. That pick has quickly gone from potential lottery pick to a mid-20s pick. Uh, this move if for Ronick is good moving forward. So as it stands, yes, the New York Islanders are sitting in a playoff spot right now. They also have played a lot more games than those around them. That's the issue. And you hear me constantly say it, like points percentage, more important than points. Uh, so currently they are the seven seed. Actually, by points percentage, they're the nine seed. You still have to win those games. Buffalo still has to win. Pittsburgh still has got to win to try to jump them. Obviously, Florida's in the mix. A couple other teams still hanging around in that chase. So someone has to beat them. But... Buffalo's got five games in hand on New York to make up four points. Florida's got two games in hand to make up four points. Ottawa, who just acquired Jacob Chikrin, has four games in hand to make up six points. Detroit, same scenario. So there's going to be some tight battles there uh, wrapping up the Eastern Conference playoffs. The Islanders could slip right out. And that's my that, that was my point earlier is why now? Like, I don't mind. I don't mind the player. I really like the player. But why now? We don't know what that pick is going to be. Could you have waited until the summer to grab Philip Ronick? And if not, if, if if he got moved, then okay. Was there another right hand D man that you could look at? If if this is the asset you were going to use, was there another one uh, you could have used? Six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. If you want to grab a phone line, I will get to your reaction in just a bit. But let's uh, connect with Brendan Bachelor, voice of the Vancouver Canucks on a busy day. Canucks were practicing today, and then suddenly uh, they landed a new right shot D man. And look, Batch, I was just saying, like I like the player. I think he's good. He's slick with the puck. He passes it well. Very, you know, good skater as well. And yet we're still going to have to see how this develops. And I, I want to focus on the on-ice component first. You know, what do you like about it and where do you see the fit could be, Batch? Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. You immediately think that they might see him as that long-term right-shot partner for Quinn Hughes that they haven't been able to find as of yet. But in saying that, Heronic also profiles as an offensive defenseman. He's been a power play guy in Detroit. Um, you know, 25 years old, if I'm not mistaken, one more year on his deal at 4.4 million. So he's a player that they, you know, could potentially, I guess, flip at next year's deadline and get some value for in return. But it's more likely that, that you know, giving up the assets they did in this trade that they want to sign him long-term. So, you know, they must like the player and see a fit in terms of, you know, a top four spot on that right side. I guess the question is just going to be, is that with Quinn Hughes or do they see him as a player that, you know, can be the offensive defenseman on another pairing going forward and maybe find someone 
that's more of a, a defensive type of defenseman to play in a left shot role with Heronic, and then a defensive type of defenseman to play in a right shot role with Hughes. But, um, you know, when, when you look at this trade and, you know, I can understand fans being frustrated about it, but it, it kind of is what the organization has said they're going to do. And I know a lot of fans don't like that. And I know the vision of the organization right now isn't the same as this fan base, but Jim Rutherford was very frank about wanting to retool when he spoke with the media, you know, the last time he, he sat up there and, and did a press conference and sort of thought that a three-year timeline was going to be a long timeline. So it's frustrating to see them give up draft capital, you know, especially in, in the deep draft that is this year. But I wasn't entirely surprised to see the move just because it's kind of been what they have been saying they want to do all along. And they make another move in terms of trying to make this team better for next season. I'm genuinely not surprised about the player, right? Like going out and acquiring this player, I'm not, you know, he was kind of on my radar of maybe he would get moved and it was a way for Detroit to open up some space. And so I'm not surprised that they've targeted him. I'm surprised at the timing and I'm surprised at the cost of it. And and those are the two things I, I'm not going to be able to get over the hurdle of to be able to say, okay, why was it important to do this before the trade deadline now? Yeah, I would assume and, you know, this is just that an assumption yeah. that they value the player highly enough that um, he was available. Now you make a move for a guy you really like when he comes on the market. But, you know, on the face of it, I agree. The price is a lot, especially, you know, when over the past couple of days since the Shen trade, all the talk has been about the number of picks that the Canucks had at the top of this draft. I believe, what was it, seven in the first four rounds before this trade? Mm-hmm. Well, now that's just five, and there isn't a pick in the second round. So, you know, it, it, uh, it it's tough because I, I think a lot of people in this market have a very different view of where this team is from where the organization does. And you know, ultimately we'll find out who's right, but this is also a market that has seen this organization try to retool on the fly and try to turn things around more quickly numerous times over the past decade. And, you know, we've seen the results, just one playoff run really, you know, since Travis Green became the head coach uh, and it was that bubble playoff run. So I understand the frustration from fans, Um and it really seems to me right now that the disconnect is there between the organization and the fan base where management and this organization see things one way and the fan base sees them a completely different way. And so as a result, I understand the blowback from a trade like this, in spite of the fact that I think Philip Heronik is a good player yeah. that will help the Canucks. But, you know, with where this team is at in its development, with the lack of success it's had over the last decade, that part of it is almost irrelevant to the conversation we're having right now. It's honestly not so dissimilar in the, in the manner in which like Rick Taka was presented. It's not that he's not a great coach, and it's not that he can't lead this team to glory. It's just like the manner in which you present it to the fans matters. And you go from the Boudreaux thing to talk it, and everyone's like, who is this guy? Like, why did you just run this guy out of town? And you just get this first-round pick, and you send him out already for Philip Ronick, and you're like, all right, I can see what you're trying to do. And then here comes this next guy. You don't even give fans a chance to like the player you've acquired, who, as you say, is good. I think he's a really strong player, but the presentation in this matters. Yeah, well, and again, it's it's just the the separation in terms of viewpoint, right? Mm -hmm. This is a management group that 
has made it clear that their stated goal is to get this team back to being competitive as fast as possible. So as much as fans want a full-scale tear-it-down rebuild, fans were hoping for that. I think, you know, to a certain extent, fans were getting their hopes up about that with some of the trades that have been made, you know, acquiring the first-round pick in the Horvat trade, acquiring the third-round pick, shipping out Luke Shen and, and not letting that asset die on the vine. But the other thing that you have to look at is whenever you make trades and acquire draft picks, they are also trade chips. And that, I think, is clear that that's how the organization saw the last month or so in terms of their team building is not the way that many fans would like them to approach it, where, you know, uh, you move out Horvat, you get a first-round pick, you get a young player in Aturatu, you use that first-round pick to potentially take a really great player this year that might pan out for you in two, three, or four seasons, whereas the organization looked at it from the perspective of acquiring assets that they could then flip to make this hockey team better in the short term. So, you know, you're right. For example, you know, the Oliver ekman Larson trade, that was one where obviously it hasn't aged well because of how poor the player has aged into just his second season with the organization, but it also put him in a spot coming into this market where fans were ready to not like Oliver ekman Larson because of the price that was paid, because of the the situation where they sent those bad money contracts that were about to expire to Arizona. And I think it's the same situation for Philip Heronik, where regardless of, of how good of a player he might be or how much he might help this team next year, the vision many fans have for where this club should go is not that they should be trying to turn it around in the short term. It's that they should be rebuilding. And as a result, giving up two picks likely in the top 40 of this year's draft. I know there's things that could change in terms of whether that Islanders pick actually becomes the Red Wings pick this year or next year, but to give up two top 40 picks with a fan base that thinks you should be rebuilding to bring in a defenseman that's going to make you better in the short term is something that, you know, while I guess we'll have to wait and see how it pans out organizationally, you can understand how it puts Heronic in a bad spot coming in as a player that is always going to be connected to this club, giving up those future assets. And once those assets become players who are drafted, we know how this fan base in this market talks about the, you know, oh, they could have had Nikolai Ehlers the year they took Jake Vertanen. You know, is that going to be part of this conversation as well as, oh, the Red Wings got so-and-so with that pick. Does he turn out to be a really good player for them down the stretch? who the Canucks might have had the opportunity to draft and elected to go in another direction. The the one thing, too, is you kind of mentioned, it's like, hey, where does he play now? Is it with Queen Hughes? Is it on a second pair with who knows what? But if, if you try to start building out this defense now and looking, it's one thing that's going to become increasingly obvious. Look at the guys they've gone out and targeted, right? It's Ethan Bear. It's Travis Dermott. Now Philip Ronick. This is going to, at some point, be a very fast blue line uh, as they try to build this out. Yeah, and, you know, a building that, or a blue line, rather, that can transition the puck, which is something this back end has not been very successful at, with the exception of Quinn Hughes. So, you know, 
as someone that, that covers the games on a night-to-night basis, and I know I believe Hironic has an injury right now, so we may not see him in the lineup in the immediate term here, and whether he's able to get in before the end of the season, I'm not exactly sure what his status is in that regard, but it does mean that they'll be faster, that they'll be able to transition the puck more effectively with him in the lineup. The thing I wonder about any time a move like this comes down is, is there another chip to fall? Because, you know, in isolation, I can understand why many fans are frustrated by this trade. I can understand why people would say it's an overpayment. I can understand why people just flat out don't like this deal. But I always caution with trades, whether you really like the trade or whether you really can't stand the trade, to wait a little bit just to see if it's part of the bigger picture because there's still a few days left here before the trade deadline. Um, You know, a perfect example last year was when they moved Travis Hamanick and people were like, oh, great, they got a draft pick. They got rid of Travis Hamanick's money. They got him out of the organization. They recouped a draft pick. That's wonderful. And what did they do 10 minutes later? They traded that draft pick for Travis Dermott. So, you know, this can work both ways, where it could be part of a bigger picture that actually looks a lot better than the deal in isolation, or it can be part of a bigger picture that maybe you don't like as much as the deal in isolation. So we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, in the short term, they should be able to transition the puck more effectively with Heronic. And, you know, that is the one thing that I think when we hear Patrick Alvin talk about this trade, that he's likely going to say is, as we've seen for this organization, right shot defensemen don't grow on trees. It's hard to acquire them, especially puck moving, effective right shot D that you could see being part of your organization for the long term. So I would imagine that that is why this organization felt it was a priority to pay the price that they did today to bring in Philip Hironic. Um, But I know that that's not going to settle the frustrations of many in the fan base who would have rather seen the draft pick stay in Vancouver. Uh, so who's got a better shot, the right stick of Philip Ronick or the right foot of uh, Alejandro Garnacho? Ah, yeah, I knew you were going to bring that up. Alejandro, <laughs> baby. What a comeback win. I uh. unfortunately didn't get to watch most of it because I was at Canuck practice and, and driving back home afterwards, but um, caught the, the goals after I got home. And, man, this team, like, again, I know – we're doing Philip Peronic now, so I'm not going to you know, drone on and on about Man United, although I'm, I'm so incredibly excited about where they are right now, the way they've you know, gotten the results they have in the past week from beating Barcelona in the Europa League to winning the Carabao Cup and now advancing in the FA Cup after being behind in the second half. It's pretty cool to watch, and you know, I know many Canuck fans may not be excited or happy about the direction that that club is going right now, but I'm incredibly excited about where Manchester United is at at the moment. Okay, let me ask you this, right? Because we're both Man United fans, and I've not asked you this, but like last season, like that Man United team quit, right? Like they stopped running against their biggest rivals, and you look at the, like the mentality switch that they have now, and it's by and large like mostly the same players. And one of the things I've tried to say even about the Vancouver Canucks is like, I do believe like people can kind of change their mentality and this idea that this is the Canucks team that they're always going to be unserious, at least the players. I see what's happening over in Manchester. I say, well, it's mostly the same players. How did they get it figured out? And could we see mentality shifts like that for the Canucks? Yeah, we certainly, I mean, we did see it last season. The team that played under Travis Green, as opposed to the team that won games with Bruce Boudreaux down the stretch, it was night and day. So, 
you know, it certainly is possible. The one thing I would say that is the biggest difference, though, uh, is that Man United club had a lot of very good players, high pedigree players on it that were underperforming mm-hmm. under the previous management setup. Whereas I don't know if you can say the same thing Fair. about the Canuck in in the sense of actual roster quality, actual you know, what you have in terms of the players you've got. Now, can a good coach come in and get more out of players that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that would be possible of? Absolutely, that's the case. We've seen it with Eric Ten Hag coming in as the manager of Man United. Basically, every player in that club has gotten better since Ten Hag has arrived. There's very few, except I I honestly can't think of a player that, that hasn't improved, except maybe Harry Maguire, but he hasn't been playing very much because he's been passed over by other mm-hmm. players on that roster. So when it comes to the Canucks, could Rick Tockett get his system set up You know, with some changes to this roster? Could they be a more competitive team? Could they look very different come next season? Absolutely they could. But I don't think any of us are under any illusions that they could have the kind of turnaround that United have had where... You know, they looked hopeless, looked abysmal, looked like they weren't in with a shout of winning anything and have gone back to being a club that wins trophies and is in the the title conversation. That's not the kind of turnaround this Canucks group is capable of making in that kind of short term, just because, again, I don't think the, the level of talent on that roster is there right now. Thank you, Matt. We'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a good show. I'm sure it's going to be eventful. <laughs> it's nonstop right now in the inbox, 650-650, and on the phone line, 604-280-0650 as well. We'll get to a couple of calls in just a second. Max and Lance, hang on to the phone line. Uh, this one, so tired of this one step forward, two steps back management group. And, you know, one of the things that we've said here recently is, you know, the, the styles of bets that they're making is, you know, the Valley Craft Stops. It's it's low-leverage bets for guys that haven't really proven anything in the NHL level. So you make a low-leverage bet compared to betting on projection, giving up second-round picks for the Vays of the world and Sven Berchies of the world who haven't really shown anything in the NHL. So there's a middle ground between those two spectrums of, hey, we want to play a premium for guys who have, we believe in and also reclamation projects. This fits more in the traditional retool on the fly, obviously, but it's also someone you're paying for that has confidence can play in the NHL level. It's proof of concept. He's played multiple years, emerging this year. This isn't the high premium of, hey, we believe this prospect is going to be bigger and better here in Vancouver. So it does fit in a certain window, but I understand the frustration. Let's see what the, the callers are, thing, are saying. 604-280-0650. Uh, Max, we go to you first. Welcome to the show, Max. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for taking me on. So. Yeah, one thing that's interesting is everyone's panicking about losing picks, and you guys just said it, you know, some of these picks don't really pan out. I I understand you lose a lot of versatility there, but this guy's a legit D-man, you know, and right now we're struggling. So I don't really – I know I'd love to have a nice high pick in the first round. Who knows if that would end up being a high pick with the Islanders. But at the end of the day, this guy is bona fide, and – you know, he's 26. Earlier, you, you guys were saying, I think with your answer, saying, you know, past your peak at 26. I mean, he's a defenseman. Some of these guys are still legit age 30. And so I'm not so concerned about the age. 
I think you have Quinn Hughes, who's going to lead PP1 anyways, and Hironic can take a backseat and be more of a mentor and start to really build our defensive play and be responsible. And hopefully we can get rid of OEL and Myers because we got to do some cap dump anyways. So I don't really see it as a big issue. And also it could be part of a bigger deal. And, you know, within two hours, you might have another trade announcing him uh, heading out somewhere else for a first rounder this year. So who knows? Hey, Max, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, let's get to a couple more before we're out here. Lance in Langley. Welcome to the show, Lance. How are you? Hey, good boys. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What uh, you got? A uh, couple of quick points. The first point I want to make is I was uh, when I first heard this trade, I was actually quite annoyed. But the more I thought about it, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin have been very straight up and, and honest about what they wanted to do. And this falls in line with what they said they were going to do. And the second thing is, let's just let's just say for the sake of argument that Vancouver keeps that pick um, from New York Islanders and draft a decent defenseman. How many years does it take for that defenseman to become a non-liability before they start to pay their dividend off? And how old is, is Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson and the direction of the team, how old are they going to be when that stud defenseman, let's say, they draft, luckily enough, in the mid-teens to early 20s before he becomes a decent defenseman. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot for the call. 604-280-0650. Shane in Abbotsford. Welcome to the show, Shane. Uh, you got to go quick. we got to get one more in here, too. All good. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Um, I Like, a first-round pick, a first-round pick, like, that is worth so much for a guy who – you know, this year, like, he's not, you know, past his prime, but he sure as hell ain't young. And I just, the, the lack of communication in terms of, you know, the vision that this team has is so infuriating. Like, I, I don't have any angry left. Like, it's just almost funny. Like, I just, I don't, like, what the hell are they doing? Why would you get rid of a first-round pick when you guys have openly admitted that, the situation on the team is that they have, you know, an age, they have an age gap uh, that, that isn't feasible moving forward. So why would you get a 26 year old and give up a first round pick? I do not understand it. Thank you for giving me the time to vent. Thank you. For sure. Thank you very much, Shane. Last one, Andrew and Al in Aldergrove. Andrew, what's going on? Well, I'll make it really quick there, guys. I just wanted to comment on the coaching situation and uh, being an Abbotsford uh, Canucks season ticket holder and just seeing what uh, Colleton's done in uh, in Abbotsford with the guys in Abbotsford. Um, I just hope they can keep him in the organization uh, and just seeing the structure that he brings to that team. Um, and hopefully they can maintain him and maybe bring him up to uh, to maybe take over for Talkett at some point here, maybe in two years or something. Um, I think seeing that and being able to keep him in the organization would be, I think, a huge, huge benefit uh, to the Canucks overall. Hey, really appreciate the call. All the calls. Thank you, Andrew, Shane, Max, Lance, Tanbeer, Frank Saravelli as well, Brendan Bachelor joining uh, us earlier today too. Full show. We got to get out of the way though. I wonder what uh, Canucks Central will talk about. Satir Shaw, Dan Riccio on an overrated, underrated Wednesday. I got one for them right now. Overrated or underrated? Lottery-protected first-round picks. We'll see what they say. Coming up next, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.